There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, folks. This episode of Luke's English Podcast is sponsored by italki, and they're a great solution if you basically are looking for people to speak to, if you're looking for some English lessons or one-to-one or something, if you want to practice for a particular purpose, like you're taking the IELTS test or you have a job interview but you don't have anyone to talk to, you don't have anyone to give you feedback, well, with italki, there's a solution to that problem. Uh, there are loads of qualified English teachers and native English speakers out there on italki who are ready and waiting to give you uh, lessons or speaking time. And when you buy some talking time with italki, uh, they will send you a voucher worth a free lesson. Uh, to get that offer, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo go on my website. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of Luke's English Podcast. Hope you're doing well. Now then, have you heard episode number 373 of this podcast? You might not remember it, by number. But that one was called Who Wants to Be Good at English? It was recorded, I think, about 18 months ago. And in that one, my dad tested me with his evil game show, which was called Who Wants to Be Good at English? I say it was an evil game show because I think it was designed for me to fail. Although arguably I didn't fail, okay? Um, It was basically a quiz that he created in order to highlight some common mistakes that people make, usually journalists, I think, with certain English words. You can listen to that episode and you can take the test as well if you want uh, by finding episode number 373 in the episode archive, or you can click the link which you'll find on the page for this episode. And you can see if you are indeed good at English, according to my dad's journalistic standard anyway. Um, So anyway, I thought that we would play another game Uh, in this episode of Who Wants to Be Good at English? But this time, I'm asking the questions. Uh, My questions are actually based on an article that I found on the Indie 100 website. That's an online magazine. That that article was written by Paul Anthony Jones, and it's all about some of the most commonly confused words in English. For native speakers, so this isn't for... This isn't the most commonly confused words for learners of English. That's another episode or another series of episodes for another time. But anyway, these words apparently are uh, some of the words that many native English speakers confuse, meaning that they use one word when they should be using another word. Now, I wonder if my dad is able to tell the difference between all of these pairs of words. Let's see if he really is that clever and articulate. I think he probably is. But let's see. Now, as we are playing the game, I invite you listeners to join in. Can you guess which words we're talking about here? If you don't know the words, then listen carefully because we will define them. 
we'll, we will explain them and we'll also have a little chat using the words so that you can hear them in context. Check the page for the episode on the website where you will see all the words listed with definitions, okay? Right, so I'm joined by my dad. Hello, dad. How are you today? Hello, Luke. You good? You- the, yes, I'm fine. So the tables are turned, eh? So 18 months ago, I asked you some evil questions about the meaning of quite obscure words. Yeah. And now you're going to test me on something, and I have no idea what's coming. You don't know. You haven't seen any of these li- these word lists or anything. Um, mm. How confident are you that you that you know English better than most British people? About that much confident. How how is that? That's in- about uh, I would say thirty centimeters worth. Thirty centimeters of confidence. Yes. <laughs> uh, how, what's the maximum distance that you could have on that scale? Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's dodging the questions here like a politician. Okay, well, we'll see. Did you study Latin at school? Um, I did when I was quite small. We, we, we had to study Latin when we were about uh, 12, 13. Yeah. It's a long time ago, and, and the university I went to was rather old-fashioned, and it thought that if I wanted to study English at university, which I did, I had to pass a Latin exam, so I had to do a bit more Latin then. I was terrible at Latin. I mean, there are lots of jokes. Latin is a language as dead as dead can be. It killed off all the Romans, and now it's killing me. <laughs> uh, and I must admit I found it very difficult, but I struggled through, and I've promptly forgotten most of it. So you can't speak Latin, then? Who speaks Latin, apart from the Pope? <laughs> no, I can't speak Latin. Uh, just jokes in Latin. I thought that Latin... I mean, I know it's a technically a dead language because no one is actually going around buying bread in Latin. Uh, but was it a spoken language as oh, well? Oh, yes, yeah, of course it was. And I don't think it's fair to call it dead because uh, in in the Catholic Church, obviously, ah. it's still used uh, quite a lot in, R- in ritual and... and uh, uh, in various ways okay. it, it's old old italian i mean it was um you know, obviously it was a live language but it was a unifying language when when dialects and different languages were so prevalent in europe i mean one time there were thousands of languages in europe and and latin with the roman empire unified them do you think that a knowledge of latin can help with english that's a good question i think the answer is yes it can but not that much I mean, it's quite handy every now and then to remember your Latin Yes, uh, when you have the meaning of a word. So if somebody says, I don't know what, I'm I'm feeling a bit somnolent. Oh. That's a difficult word, somnolent. But if you've done Latin, you know that the the, the source of that word is sleep. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you work out pretty quickly it means sleepy. But, I mean, these things are quite obscure. You you don't need Latin much of the time. Mm. It's just quite useful, quite interesting. But you you studied Latin at university because your university tutors thought that uh, it would help in understanding English. They did. Because because so much of English comes from Latin. A lot of it, yes. Yes, not all of it. No, and it's not the only European language. I mean, there's lots of Latin all over the shop. Yeah. In French as well, of course. Yeah. So I suppose if you do know Latin, it can help you with English. It can help you with French and Spanish and Italian and other languages that have their origins in Latin. To be quite honest, I think it's overrated. I don't think you need to know Latin to be able to speak English extremely well and to be able to write English extremely well. I don't think it's necessary. It's just a kind of 
hmm, quite nice to know where your language comes from. Quite, quite interesting to understand a bit of language structures because Latin, as you construct sentences, isn't the same as modern English. That's been more influenced by the Germanic tribe languages, Anglo-Saxon and and other things, the original Celtic languages of the mm. British Isles, mm. where Latin puts the verb at the end of the sentence, right. which is the, the the main big thing. So you you don't say uh, uh, it's a bit like Yoda in in uh, Star Wars. Star Wars, you know, mm. uh, mm, uh, sitting on the sofa. I am. too old. You are <laughs> right. Thank Too you. old you are to begin the training <laughs> on the sofa. I am sitting. Yes. Yes. Okay. So Latin's a, a, obviously a bit different from from modern English, uh, but a lot of the look, vocabulary you can trace back to Latin. All right then. Uh, another point to make there about Latin in English is that often a lot of our formal words uh, have Latin origins. That the Latin influence comes in 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 the sense that it's quite formal English. So, you know, often you have a formal verb, let's say, and then you have a slightly less formal equivalent, which is often a phrasal verb. Yes. Right? So, for example... um, Acquire or pick up. Exactly. You acquire something, um, it means you you receive it, you get it. Yeah. Uh, But in vernacular, you might say, I'm going to pick up something when I'm out at the shops. Um, And so one has got a Latin root and the other one doesn't. I mean, it's it's obvious, really, that um, the Latin was the full formal language of the church and the educated clerics and all that. Mm -hmm. And um, people out in the streets and in the fields were speaking their own language. And it it was... um, it's one of the reasons English has got so many different versions of words which mean roughly the same thing. You know, we have a, a Latin origin, we have a Dutch origin version, Anglo-Saxon origin version, and so on. So do you think that um, the basic knowledge of Latin that you've got is going to help you with this test? I haven't a clue. I don't know what's coming. Okay. Let me tell you then um, how this is going to work. So there are 10 rounds to this test. Mm-hmm. Each round has a pair of words in it. Right. So the point is that these are words that are commonly mixed up. Okay, for example, you find people using one of the words when in fact they should be using the other. Oh dear. Okay, so I have to identify what they mean. You're going to need to identify both. So what's going to happen is I will ask you questions in each round. I'll ask you questions. You have to tell me the word I'm looking for. I'll also ask you for the spelling and the pronunciation of those words spelling the spelling yes this is very difficult <laughs> do you will you will it help if you have a pen or something to write them down because uh, yes probably I, I find that i spell better when i can actually write the word with my hands yes i, I do too all right Hang on. Let, let's pause the podcast and i'll get you a pen and a pen. piece of paper all right hold on okay so um you've now got a pad and a pen yes thank you just in case okay all right then you're ready then i think so. it comes round one Actually, I haven't established uh, what I consider to be a pass or fail for this. Normally, 60% is that's what we had before for when you did this to me. Oh, was it? 60% was that's 18 the, months ago. I can't remember. It, well, I mean... All right, 60% it is. Six, two, two thirds. Yeah. Normally, 60% is the pass mark. So six out of 10. But if you get six out of 10, you would pass, but you might not feel very happy. I mean, we all expect you to get 100%. Oh, do we? <laughs> Stop building it up. We're all going right. to a six out of 10 target. Right? Okay, all right. Don't worry. Yeah, I think you're going to be fine. I think you're going to get them all right. 
And if you don't, well, I'll be deeply disappointed. Mm. Um, so, round one. You ready? Here comes question one, round one. If you're waiting for something with great anticipation, don't jump in. If you're waiting for something with great anticipation, literally to the point that you're having trouble breathing, hold on. For example, you're desperately waiting for the next episode of Luke's English Podcast, <sighs> waiting so much that you can't even uh, like breathe properly. Which expression would you use? You're waiting with... Trepidation? It's good, but it's not right. Um, so, Anxiety? Like, like waiting uh, with great uh, anxiety, with great anticipation. I'm, I'm waiting with... Mm-hmm-hmm. A three-syllable word. <laughs> it's a phrase. So, um, uh, know, uh, waiting with um, um, uh, hold, holding my breath. Breath is is part uh, of it. Um, with bated breath. With okay. bated breath. Right. Waiting with bated breath. Yes. Okay. How do you spell the word bated? Ah, that's very interesting. We're talking about an antique type word here. <laughs> well, it's a common. Is bated or bated? I think I would spell it B A T E D. Correct. B-A-T-E-D, correct. Uh, well done, you got one point. It's quite a common expression, though, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is quite a common expression, but uh, it's like one of these expressions that no one really thinks about it. Well, yeah. But where's it come from? What does bated breath mean? Um, we, may, we may come... Um, well, I'm, I've got some commentary about these words, and so we'll come to that I in a moment. it means paused breath. It means held. It means... I think it probably means... Um, suspended um you're not breathing for a bit yeah suppressed yeah okay okay so if, if you're waiting with bated breath it means you're, you're holding your breath you're waiting yeah holding your breath and it, it feels like uh, your breath is becoming weaker because you're so you, there's so much anticipation <sighs> i can hardly wait <sighs> like okay, that kind of waiting thing. with bated breath waiting yes. with bated breath fine good you got that one both of those right uh question number three in round one if you go fishing what do you need in order to catch a fish? You need, on the end of your line, on the hook, you need some bait. Ah, okay. So the, the, your line would be baited. Yes, with something. it would. What do you typically use as bait when you're well, they, fishing? Schoolboys use worms on, uh, as bait. Okay. But uh, when you get a bit be- better at angling, as that kind of fishing is called, with a rod and line, people use maggots. And other things. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's like and things you can like have fly fishing. Fly fishing and which stuff. Which are not really flies at all. They're, yeah. they're things that are made that look like flies. But the most common form of bait uh, on your line would be a worm or a maggot worm or, or something rabbit, like yes. that. Okay. How, now, bait, how do you spell that one then? It's B-A-I-T. B-A-I-T, correct. And baited would be B-A-I-T-E-D. So, so you've got weighted, baited line. with baited breath, B-A-T-E-D, and then... Uh, your line is baited with a worm that's b-a-i-t-e-d that's right okay so um well done thank you very much luke uh, you got them both right there um so the word the verb bait uh which actually is the same as the word abate which is an old word and it means to become less strong or to suppress something it's a bit of a formal old-fashioned yeah. word to be honest is, for example the storms had abated Bated, yes the storms had they'd stopped basically the storms had abated by the time they they went round cape horn mm. okay or a crime wave you could say that the crime wave shows no sign of abating yes so abate is like bait it's the same thing basically so to wait with bated breath 
means to wait eagerly and impatiently at, you know, almost to the point where you're holding your breath. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, and then the other one is bait in fishing, and that's spelled B-A-I-T. Uh, the noun is the food that you put at the end of a fishing line or in a trap. In order to catch yes, something. Yes, bait a trap, yes. Yeah, like if you want to catch... You know, there's another meaning of the word bait. Is there? Yeah, there is. Um, it's teasing somebody. Yeah, I've got that. Oh, have I've you? I've got, yeah, right. yeah I'm, I'm coming to that. Uh, we also use bait, um, the noun, figuratively, meaning something which is used in order to catch someone. Yeah. So, for example, we, we have the expression clickbait in English these days. Yeah, this is stuff on the computer encouraging you to click through to somewhere else, which is normally an advertisement. Yeah, or, or it's just sort of um, articles on rubbish websites that uh, have titles that seem very interesting. And the whole point is that you just click it and then, you know, there's lots of advertising and they get the revenue from it. You've never seen anything like this. Yeah. Doctors don't want <laughs> you to know this secret. You know, yes. that sort of thing. That's clickbait because they are using that to try and get you to click. Okay, um, so also verb, the, the verb bait, like uh, fishing, uh, we have to bait something, meaning to put food on a line or in a trap. Okay, the line was baited. Also, uh, as you said, if you bait someone, it means you deliberately try to make them angry by teasing them. For example, he delighted in baiting his mother. And that's spelt in the same way, B-A-I-T-I-N-G. And that's a synonym of to tease or provoke or annoy or irritate. Do you want to know what um, the article said about this? What did it say? It said, according to Oxford Dictionaries, around one in every three records of the phrase bated breath in the Oxford corpus is spelt incorrectly. So Oxford Dictionaries have recorded, you know, something like 30% of all uses of the phrase bated breath as being spelt wrong. And people always, well, often spell it as baited, like B-A-I-T-E-D. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. <laughs> baited with an I is the same bait that you use when going fishing, blah de blah de blah Okay, fine. Quick discussion questions. Are you currently waiting for anything with bated breath? Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say with bated breath. With no? great anxiety. You're always waiting for something to happen. I'm waiting for the, this weekend for the football results to come in. But I wouldn't say I was holding my breath or finding difficulty breathing. I'm so excited by the prospect. Okay. All right, That's, we do have that expression as well. Don't hold your breath. We do. Which, is, which means, which don't, means get too, don't get too excited. Don't get too excited about something that's coming. Yes. Okay, like, I've got the football results in. Dad, don't hold your breath. It's nothing exciting. All right. You know, that don't kind of thing. Don't hold your breath. Um, um, another question. Uh, what's the best way to catch a squirrel? Because you catch squirrels in, in the garden sometimes. Yes, it has been known. I've got a, a trap. It, it, originally, it was for rats, uh, a rat trap, when we had a big garden and we used to occasionally get rats. And, um, yeah, the squirrels are um, the, the grey squirrel. People listening around the world might not know that in Britain there are two types of squirrel. The native red squirrel is small and cute, uh, and the grey squirrel is an import from, from North America yeah. and is a big bully. And the grey squirrel uh, is a terrible habit of finding birds' nests and eating the eggs and eating the young, and I don't like that. I like to have birds' nests in my garden. So when squirrels show up, I, I, I put some nuts in the, tr in the trap as bait, 
and the squirrel goes in after the nuts and the door closes and then I take it on a long holiday and uh, release it in the woods out in where you know a long way away from my garden you're quite humane really you don't actually um, kill the oh I couldn't do that no I, I just I just you know I, I, they they are very lucky squirrels the ones I catch they get taken to paradise beautiful woods we don't know what the what it's like being a squirrel, though. I mean, do you think those squirrels survive? You take them very, very far away from uh, where you caught them. You go over a big road. You go over a canal. Yes, I do. And, over and you a take river. Over a river, <laughs> over a hill, over a canal. And then you release them. And they kind of get released. And then they're like, oh, oh God, where am I? I'm sure oh, they'll Jesus. cope. Squirrels are very, very adaptable and very clever and cunning. And I mean, they're sure they're not going to mope. They're not going to sit in a tree going, whoa, I miss my home. Yeah, but I thought maybe if they, they would end up, uh, if they're out of, you know, if you, if you took um, someone from one town and dropped them off in another town, they'd meet all the other people and the other people would be like, you're not from around here, are you? You know, uh, they, they, they might. There's loads of squirrels everywhere. I mean, they, they, they can't all, you know, be bullying each other and saying, get off my tree. I mean, they, 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 there's lots and lots of squirrels. Okay. Okay, round two. Right. Question one. If you see someone that you don't want to meet or you don't want to talk to, let's say you're walking down the street and you see someone you don't want to talk to, perhaps this is a person who you don't like, or you can imagine maybe a drunk man in the street who might bother you or even attack you, you'd, you'd walk around him, right, putting space between you and him. So what would you give him? A wide berth. Right, you'd give him a wide. You'd give him a wide berth. I think that's a naval expression. Meaning you'd 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 walk around him. Yes, putting space between yes, you and you, him. You'd, you'd absolutely wouldn't get too close. You'd give, you'd give him a wide berth. Okay, how would you spell that? Berth. B e r t h. Correct. Well done. He's doing quite well, listeners, so far. Uh, okay, next question then. What word is? This often confused with. <laughs> well, it sounds exactly it, the it's, same. It's something that generally happens at the beginning of someone's <laughs> life. Ooh, what a difficult one. Um, I think we are talking about birth, as in childbirth. The birth of a baby. And that's spelt B-I-R-T-H. So B-E-R-T-H, give someone a wide birth. And B-I-R-T-H, Meaning uh, when someone is born, okay? Yes, I think that the, the first birth, spelt with an E, isn't, isn't that the name of, um, of a sailor's bed in, in a ship? Yeah, there's that or as well, it, a space it, it, in, the, it, yeah, in the ship. I think yeah. that's where it comes from, that um, it's my, you know, my birth. In the old days, in sailing ships and everything, they, they, each sailor had a berth, which is where he slept. It might not actually be a bunk. I suppose it could be in space where you had your hammock. A space in a ship. But it's yeah. where you're, where it's your space, your bit of space. Yeah. And I, I suppose if you give them a wide berth, it's a, it must be some kind of naval expression from that about keeping well clear of his space. Okay. I mean, uh, I'm not asking you to uh, explain where the words come from, but you can speculate on it if you like. No, I will speculate. Just, want, just before we move on to the definitions, um, uh, pronunciation of, of those two words. It's the same, I it's think. exactly the same. Birth and birth. Yes. Good. Just need to, needed to say that. So birth, uh, B-E-R-T-H, the nautical term, originally means sea room, meaning the room or space that a boat needs for mooring. Oh, right. So it's the boat. 
the boat uh, needs a certain amount of space okay. in order to, to park. And that, oh, yes, of course, there's a verb when the ship is berthing. It's uh-huh. coming into port, isn't it? Right. Okay. And, and being moored by the side of the, uh, the port. So, yes, that's very interesting. It's an old maritime word yeah. uh, to berth the ship. So, um, um, so it basically means room or space for a ship. So, to give a wide berth, in terms of shipping, you can imagine needing to go around something. If you're in the ship... And there's an obstacle in the water, like it could be a rock in the water or it could be another ship. You'd need to give it a wide berth, meaning uh, go around it with lots of space to avoid any okay. possible collision. Um, to give something a wide berth, to go around something with space. And also give birth to something, that's B-I-R-T-H, obviously means ha- have a baby there, okay? Yeah. Now, if you saw these people in the street, this is the discussion part, the sort of quick three-minute discussion. If you saw these people in the street, would you give them a wide berth or would you go up to them so give give the person a wide berth or go up to them and if you went up to them what would you say first person donald trump um would you give him a wide berth or would you go up to him that's a really difficult question because i'd be very tempted to go up to him and um ask him a few uh questions about how he's so rude and nasty and horrible and dangerous but i've got a feeling it would be a waste of time so i'd probably finish up being a coward and giving him a wide berth. He'd probably find out that you used to work for the BBC and go, BBC is totally fake news. <laughs> uh, who is this guy? You know, get him out of my face. Get this guy out of here. Um, so terrible, probably, totally, so I'd probably just give him a wide berth. Totally terrible guy. Rick Thompson used to work for the BBC. <laughs> it's fake news, folks. Yes, it Okay, uh, so you'd give him a wide berth. Harvey Weinstein. I certainly give him a wide berth. Yeah, you don't want him to get anywhere no, near I, you, do no, you? No, you don't really. Okay, Kim Jong-un. Um, that's an interesting one. I mean, um, if I had a translator hand, handy, I'd be very, very interested to have a chat to him. Okay. Find out what he thinks. Yeah, okay. I okay, mean, I have, have a, a feeling he's, he's been brought up in such a strange condition that he's probably not normal. But it'd uh, be interesting to find out. Yeah. Do you think he really believes that he is sort of uh, like, like next to God no, or something? that's the question. I think he probably does, yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay. So you'd go, you'd go up to him and have a word. Oh, I think I'd have a little chat to him. Okay. Hi, Kim. Next yeah, person. How are you? All right, Kim. How's it going? Yeah. You, they... Now, yeah, what's all this stuff about being a God? Yeah. Oh, they... Come on. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Oi, Donald, come over here. Um, next person, Madonna. Give her a wide berth or go no, up to no, her? No, no, no. Madonna, she's, yeah. she's a good thing, is Madonna. Yeah. What would you say to her? I'd say, nice one, Madonna. Is nice it, one. Would you sign this, please? Okay. <laughs> Boris Johnson. Oh, yes, I'd definitely go out and talk to him. What would you say to him? Oh, well, I think I'd have a nice rigorous argument about how he's a, a untrustworthy buffoon. And um, can you please resign as our foreign secretary before he brings us into more disrepute? Okay. That would go down well, wouldn't it? Uh, absolutely, yeah. He'd say, I, I, what but did he say? I, no, look here, Rick. <laughs> uh, you know, I understand that, you know, you just... Uh, something like that. Yes, he'd get... Well, and then all he'd, right. Then he'd yeah, make yeah. his hair yeah, yeah. look all messy. Uh, next person. Uh, this is the last one. Paul McCartney. Definitely go out to Paul. What would you say one to him? One of my heroes. Well, I think we'd just say how nice it is to see him and um, you know, you glad he's looking so well and um, how his music has meant a lot to me over the years. And uh, I understand he's interested in bird watching. 
And um, oh, I like birds. I like birds. I've written a lot of songs about birds over the years. You know, like such as blackbird um, <laughs> and other bluebird, other ones. Um, uh, okay, so that's to give someone a wide berth or to go up to them. Um, and what about this question? Where were you? Oh, sorry, were you there in the room when Mum gave birth to me? And what was it like? Um, you? Uh, were you actually there? Mm, I, well, I was thrown out because uh, it was not going very well, and yeah. uh, so um, I was required to go elsewhere. Okay, um, it was a difficult birth. Really, birth. B i r t h. That's right. That one. Uh, okay, that must have been a bit scary. Yeah, it was a bit. Yeah. Okay. Moving on to round three. You've got a hundred percent, a hundred percent record so far. Round three. Question one. What word is a synonym of advice? For example, legal advice. It can also be a verb, meaning to give advice. I think, and it also uh, can be another noun, meaning the the lawyer who gives advice. What word are we looking for uh, here? Well, I think the word you're looking for is counsel. Mm-hmm. Um, How do you spell that? A, a lawyer is your counsel, and a lawyer can give you good or bad counsel, meaning advice. Now, the spelling's going to be tricky. The spelling's going to be really difficult. I think that's C-O-U-N-S-E-L. Is the correct answer. Oh, good. So, counsel is the word. So, we talk about legal counsel, meaning legal advice. Also, to counsel someone meaning to give someone legal advice. And also, uh, your lawyer can be referred to as your counsel. C-O-U-N-S-E-L. In, in uh, The Godfather, he has a counsellor. Consigulari. Tom Hayden is um, The Godfather's consigulari. I think maybe that's an Italian word. I think word. an Italian word for counsellor. Probably. It yeah. is. But that's counsellor. That's a different word. We're talking about counsellor. No, but I here. think he is counsellor with an S because he's giving him advice. Okay. He's advising him, okay. especially on the law. He's his lawyer. He is. Yeah. Um, okay. Quest- the next question in round three then is, what about a group of people who are brought together to make decisions? For example, a local administrative group who make decisions about how the local town should be run. What's that word? Well, I think that's counsel. How do you spell council? <laughs> it's C-O-U-N-C-I-L. Okay, it's the correct answer again. Um, so, And it's a common word, common word. I mean, if people are in the UK, it's a common word that comes up a lot, you know, like uh, the rubbish hasn't been collected. You know, where's the council? It's the council that does these things. Yeah, the town council. Yeah. Meaning the, the, the people who are responsible for doing all the admin for the town, running the town, basically. Yeah, the town, the town council. Okay, so just how are those two words pronounced? Same, I think. Council, council and council. council. Yes, it, that's correct. So council with an S, S-E-L at the end. The noun means advice and it's formal. For example, he'd always been able to count on her wise counsel. Uh, the community requested his counsel on various matters, meaning advice. Also, the name of a, it's, it's a word for a lawyer. The defence counsel warned that the judge should stop the trial, for example. It's an American usage, I think. Counsel is a lawyer, I think. But I don't think in, mm, we use it so yeah. much in the UK. We do use the word counsel, meaning advice, though, don't we? To seek yes, counsel. Yes, we do. Oh, yes. To give counsel. Uh, and then as a verb as well, meaning to give advice. For example, if you counsel someone to take a course of action, or it, my advisors counseled me to do nothing, for example, okay? Uh, here's some commentary. Counsel, um, the, uh, with, with C-I-L and counsel S-E-L, can both be used as nouns, 
But only counsel with S-E can be used as a verb to give uh, advice or direction. Both are derived ultimately from Latin. But while counsel, C-I-L, comes from the Latin word calare, meaning to call or proclaim officially, uh, which actually makes it an etymological cousin of the word calendar, uh, counsel with an S comes from the same root as consult, Right. So you're starting to lose me, but yes. Do you think I'm losing my audience as well? <laughs> with all this I stuff? don't know. <laughs> I thought it might be interesting to have a little bit of background information on the words, you know. Uh, so while a council, C-I-L, is called together, you might consult someone for their good counsel. That's with an S. All right. Quick discussion questions. Have you ever needed to... T- oh, you might not want to answer this because it might be uh, confidential, but have you ever needed to take legal counsel for any, anything work-related? I'm trying to think. Um, no, I don't think I have. You never got into legal trouble at work? No, I don't think so. Okay, so you never had to take I legal... I didn't need to go to get some legal counsel. Okay. Um, have you ever been asked to provide counsel on any uh, local... Informally, yes, I have. Yeah? yeah. Yes. Advice. You know, some people ask me for some advice, yeah, occasionally. Okay. All right. for, on, on... I wouldn't say I'm a qualified counsellor, counsellor, but, um, yeah, you know, people have sometimes asked you advice about things. Okay. Is there a local council, C-I-L, council, where you live? Where I live, which is in the middle of England, in, in Warwick, there are not one, not two, but three councils. Really? Uh, and which is why the way the local government happens in England. Um, there is a town council, yeah. um, which looks after the ancient town of Warwick and the things that particularly influence Warwick, sometimes the smaller things, like they look after the public buildings, they look after public bus shelters and litter bins and street furniture and things like that, but also things that matter to people. Um, And then there's a district council which covers uh, a group of towns which have quite close connections, including Warwick, and then there's a county council in Warwickshire. Warwickshire is a big county. Warwickshire. Warwickshire. And um, they look after things that are sort of more strategic and, and cover a wider area, like tr- transport, like okay. roads. Okay. All right. Good. Well done. You've still got 100%. Oh, good. So far. Round four. Question one. As a teacher, okay, sometimes it's necessary for me to draw out certain language from my students. Obviously, I teach them words, but sometimes I need to get the words from them. Okay, hold on. Often, if I'm teaching some words or if I'm doing an introduction, rather than just lecturing them about a subject, it can be a good idea to get them to give me certain words. You often find some people in the group know the word and others don't, for example. And it it, it tends to keep the students involved and it makes them a bit more productive. Also, it allows you to see which words they know and which words they don't know. So which verb means to get a piece of information or a word or or a reaction from people by asking certain questions? To get a word out of people. You're eliciting something from them? Bingo. To to elicit. Yes. How do you spell that? E-L-I-C-I-T. Correct. Well done. Next question. What adjective is a synonym of the word illegal, and it means not allowed or not approved by a rule? Ah, I see what you're doing here. Um, this is, uh, I think the word is illicit. Correct. Which means it's not, it's not legal. Okay. 
So we've got el- to elicit something, which is the verb, and an illicit activity, which is the uh, adjective there. Um, how do you spell illicit then, the, the second oh, one? Oh, it's a little bit different. It's, it's I-double-L-I-C-I-T, illicit, yeah. meaning illegal. Correct. How are they both pronounced? Well, I would have thought there is a slight difference, actually. I think they're very, very similar, but I think, I don't know, do you say illicit something? I think you, they probably are the same. I think it's the same. Um, because the emphasis isn't on the first syllable. Exactly. And um, it's, I think the first syllable is pretty much a svar, isn't it? It's, it's that schwa sound, it's yeah. a schwa sound, which means that it's, it's barely just a uh. So illicit, illicit. Uh, if you were being very, 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 very precise, you might be able to hear the slight difference saying, I'm going to elicit some information from you, um, yeah. as opposed to that's illicit. But I, I think it's very unlikely you'd be able basically to tell the, the difference. Same, basically the same. So to to elicit some words from my students and an illicit uh, activity, it's basically the same pronunciation. Okay. Yeah. But one is basically spelled E-L-I-C-I-T, that's the verb, and the adjective I-L-L-I-C-I-T. Okay, do we need to know any of the commentary? Or should we skip that? Okay, discussion questions then. When you were growing up in the 1960s, um, were you ever given information about illicit drugs? Like illegal drugs. Did you? Did they educate you about drugs in the sixties? Because they do now. I got lots of drug education when I was growing up. But did you, you get? Mean, you mean at school? Yeah. Did you get drug information at school or in the community about illicit drugs? We certainly didn't get any at school. That is a fact. How did you find out about illicit substances? Well, at school, uh, two two of the schoolboys got expelled, thrown out of school. Um, what for? For uh, selling amphetamine pills in school. Oh, really? And um, but I mean, I didn't know it was going on. Um, didn't actually know these two very well or anything. And and uh, it came as a bit of a surprise that it had been happening anyway. But uh, that happened. And uh, later on at university, there was quite a lot of illicit material being smoked around the place. Yeah, really. <laughs> and I knew quite a few people who were doing that. Um, I mean, it was um, in 1968. It was uh, it was quite um, uh, well used product. This illicit <laughs> material. Did, but did, uh, did people get into trouble at university for for that? Not much. No. I mean, I, I could tell you some funny stories about it if you want. Yes, please. <laughs> um, no, the the uh, the college the college system university. This was at Oxford University. Is that it's a whole group of smallish colleges, and they tend to be built within their own grounds. You know, in their own quadrangles with walls around and everything else. And the university authorities were quite relaxed, I think, about people smoking pot. Mm-hmm. Um, it was there weren't hard drugs around, as far as I'm aware. I mean, I, I don't know anybody who was going to in, into hard drugs at all in those days it was so-called soft drugs and um the only time that it 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 caused trouble was when people were doing it outside the the college precincts like in the town yeah there was one occasion when there was an italian film crew filming a filming a film in oxford with uh, with the star jane birkin in it and some of us were extras and uh so we had these kind of classic summer scenes of people in punts you know, a punt is a boat which you pole. You know, you've see, probably seen pictures of them in Oxford and Cambridge. Flat, flat 
boat where you lie in it and get pulled along by somebody and it's a it's a classic scene and of course the extras not me the extras were smoking their pot in the in the boats while this filming was going on Mm -hmm. and the police um sent frogmen along the river what yeah underwater popping up at the boats saying i arrest you for illegal possession of this illegal drug and, wait a minute frogman uh, yes you have to explain what a frogman is a frogman is. is a is a is a guy um like james bond you know with flippers and a black suit and a mask on like they sent in the sas to yes get these. it was a bit like that and of course a lot of a lot of my uh, my colleagues were saying oh crazy man look this giant oh, well, frog, look, frog man, has come man. out the water and uh and they even arrested the cameraman because he had a he had a bit of a, a, a squiffy cigarette on while he was doing the filming so i can't so, believe they sent frogmen in <laughs> i know like like james bond <laughs> like a swat team to go in and get these guys because they were smoking some joints on a boat well in those days the police are very determined to stamp out this terrible didn't, evil didn't they have anything better to do well i don't know but uh, maybe they wanted to see jane birkin anyway right. uh, yeah. Yeah. there was so the only trouble was when people were doing it in public if you like okay i like these stories Got any more? <laughs> no. Move on with okay. the quiz. Okay. Um, so that's the word illicit, meaning illicit drugs. So I'm now going to ask you about the verb to elicit something from someone. The Shakespeare play Macbeth. Okay. What feelings do you think it elicits in its audience? Oh, um, horror. I yeah. mean, it's a very bloody um, play uh, about um, uh, power corrupting and naked ambition uh, and uh, Macbeth and his dear wife being drawn into evil for one thing or another. So it's a kind of dark, it would elicit feelings of um, dread, uh, shock, horror. Especially the, uh, the, the the very beginning where you, you have, um, well, near the beginning where you have the witches. Yes. Um, and their curse. Sets the tone. It sets the tone. The three witches who inform Macbeth that he's going to be the king. And, um, and they, this they, po- po- poisons his mind because he thinks it's probably going to be true. And they have that famous thing where it double, double, toil and trouble. And they're casting a spell and with all these weird ingredients that they're throwing into their cauldron. And they are you know, putting a curse on, on Macbeth. And so it does set the tone of this kind of creepy... Uh, uh, dreadful uh, atmosphere. Yes, so you would elicit feelings of of, uh, horror and dread. And Shakespeare set it uh, in a long time ago in Scotland, the Dark Ages, as we call it, uh, of Britain, where we don't know much of the history. It's all a bit uh, kind of primitive and superstitious Mm. uh, and all that stuff. So... So Mm. Typically, the play elicits feeling of feelings of dread or horror from the audience. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. I think that's. I think we've done that. Then eliciting or elicitation is something that English teachers do a lot. We often elicit words from our our students uh, for the reasons I gave before. Well done, Dad. Hundred uh, percent so far. Round five. We are about forty percent of the way through this. Here we go. Uh, what is the difference? This is simple, this one. What's the difference between the word affect with an A and effect with an E? What's the difference between affect with an A and affect with an E? Um, how to 
explain this. Two people do mess these two up quite a lot. Um, uh, effect well, is, is a verb. Um, which one, with the A or with the E? With the A. Yes. It it it, it can mean <laughs> several things actually. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh huh. But the most common, the most common the, meaning. Uh, oh God, think of an example. For example, um, when you when you when you first saw Macbeth in the in the, uh, what, how did it how affect was affected? You? How did it affect you? Um, I, it it affected me. Uh, I was very impressed. Um, yeah. But uh, yes, affected. Yeah. Um, well, I know what you're doing. I know what you're thinking. So there's, uh, let's say there's two meanings of the verb affect. Yes. By the way, you got it right. It's affect with an A. That's the verb. Um, two meanings, let's say. One is uh, to uh, have an effect on something, you know, to, yes. to, uh, to, you know, to make something happen, let's say. So, you know, you'd say uh, that watching Macbeth affected me quite strongly yes. because I found it to be very moving and frightening. Um, and when you drink wine, how does it affect you? What's the effect? What's the, uh, well, that's, ah, the, that's the noun. Just trying that's, it out. That's there. the noun with an E. But the verb, wine affects you by, you know, it makes you relaxed at the beginning. And, um, you know, it might mean that you, you lose some judgment. You know, you, you, uh, you, know, you can't uh, drive so well, for example. You, so it, wine it, affects you anyway. Wine affects you in a certain way. And the effect, so that's with an E, that's the noun. Yeah. Um, okay. How well, are those two words pronounced? Pretty much the same. Yeah. Okay, that's the point. Almost yeah. all of these words sounded the same. Almost all of them. So the verb is spelt with an A and the noun with an E. Okay? Yes. Uh, how does wine affect you, Dad? It makes me more relaxed. Does it affect you in the same way that it affects other people? I imagine so. <laughs> I don't that, know. That's not a leading question. That's just a, a genuine open question. Uh, yes. Okay. All right, fine. What about, so the noun effects, what are the good and bad effects of wine? Effects. Yes. Um, good, good, effect. good effect means you lose your inhibitions and you become more voluble. And the bad effects are that you could become very boring and then fall over drunk. Okay, very good. <laughs> well done. 50% of the way through and you got uh, 100%. Just one, one word about effect. Oh, the, I didn't it, do the other a, meaning. It's affecting me, yeah. Well, it's affecting me is like the same as... as with the a but also we we to affect a certain look or uh, and to have an affectation yeah so that means to um like to to add something to your behavior or your uh, the way that you look in order to have a certain effect on on people for example let's say you uh, adopt it, an affectation yeah so i could affect an accent you could that's you where could i, I put might one on i might suddenly start speaking in a in a much more posh sort of way in order to affect a certain uh, image yes okay and the accent would be considered an affectation, affectation. so that's uh, an interesting usage a bit of an obscure usage actually to tell yeah. you the truth yeah i think to be honest we use the word affectation quite a lot it's more normal to use affectation than to use affect to mean to, to, to fake something you know yeah affect like uh, an affectation would often be something that we see in people like the way that they dress or the things they do yes. for example if you see someone who is oh i don't know like speaking like boris johnson it's lots of affectations with boris johnson because yes. his haircut is this messy hair and very self-aware 
Yeah, Boris Johnson has that haircut on purpose. He's yes. done. He messes up his hair before he goes on TV. It's an affectation to make him look like uh, a, a sort make of make him look distinctive, at least distinctive and, and recognizable and funny, and therefore disarming. Um, it's just an affectation. Yes, it's, it's fake. And the other thing, I just before we move on, is just to say that uh, uh, you find these words quite commonly uh, in different forms, so that effect. Uh, you know, what has been the effect, effect. The noun. With an E, the, the noun. Very commonly, people say that was effective. It, it, it's, the, it's the adjective. Um, I mean, it's quite commonly used. Yeah. How effective is that going to be? That was very effective. Right. And it's a widely known use. So it's the E word, the, the adjective taken from the noun. It had an effect. It was very effective. effective. Yeah, okay. All right, good. Round six. How would you describe someone whose hair is going grey, making them look quite cool and perhaps even quite tough? It's the sort of word that you might use to describe a police detective or a cowboy who's getting older and has had some tough experiences, which you can see in his greying hair. So he's, he's not really old yet. He's just experienced. His hair is going grey, basically. How would you describe someone who... Do I know this word? Well, I don't know. I don't know if I know this word. It helps if you you know French. I don't know. What's the French word for grey? Gris. Grizzled. Grizzled. Ah, well done. You got it right. With a bit of help from me. Yes, a bit of help. Thank you for your French. Prompt. Yes, grizzled. Does it mean grey hair only, or does it mean generally a bit weather-beaten? I'm actually looking for the... Yeah, so grizzled is the word, yes. Grizzled. How do you spell grizzled? It means going grey. It actually means going grey. Is that what it means? But I, think, I, I thought it just meant kind of mature and, and weather-beaten and experienced. Well, actually, it means going grey. It means grey. going grey. But I, right. I agree with you. I think mm. that it, it, it's more than that. I think it also means someone who's kind of a bit tough yeah. because they've had a few rough experiences. Someone who's been knocked around by life. That's why I'm thinking of a police detective yeah. or a cowboy. You know, someone who's a little yeah, bit Clint, old. Clint's definitely a bit grizzled, isn't Clint he? Clint Eastwood in sort of ni- the, in the 1980s was mm. quite grizzled yeah. when he was going grey, but he was sort of like this tough guy. Go, so that's grizzled, meaning going grey. How do you spell it? Well, I think it's G-R-I-S-L-E-D. Ah! Isn't it? It's the wrong answer, Dan. Oh, dear, I got one wrong. You got one wrong. Isn't it? Doesn't it come from Gris? The French grey? Yeah, G-R-I-S? The, um, well, yes, but... Um, it does come from the, the, the French word grey, which is G-R-I-S. Um, uh, it does come from it, but we spell it with two Zs in do English. Do we really? Yes, we do. Oh, I don't but there is a, Well, there we are. So we haven't finished with this round yet. Um, but anyway, grizzled is the word I'm looking for. G-R-I-Z-Z-L-E-D, meaning going grey. Okay. Um, we also have grizzly. Oh, that's actually the next As in grizzly bear? Well, here's my next question. <laughs> What's another word for a brown bear? Be- well, big brown bear is a grizzly bear. It's actually a species. It's not just a description. It's, yes. it's the actual the grizzly bear. But that's definitely double Z, isn't it? Grizzly that bear. Grizzly bear is definitely double Z-L-Y. Um, so we've got grizzled, meaning going grey. Grizzly um, also means going grey, but it... It's also the word of a species of, of bear as well. Um, the kind of bear that you might find in Yellowstone National Park in the USA. They're brown, but they have some greyish hair around the shoulders, the head and the ears. That's ah, why they're called grizzly that's why bears. they're grizzly. Wow. Because they've kind of got slightly grey hair in some parts of, of their body. Um, so 
that's that. And next question is, what adjective would you use to describe the disgusting or explicit details of a murder? Something which is very unpleasant uh-huh. and that would be horrible to look at. Like the the bloody blah details, for example. What word is that? That's all rather grisly. Grizzly details. That's right. Well done. You got that right. How do you spell that? It means kind of horrible. I think that's G-R-I-S-L-E-Y. Is that right? G-R-I-S-L-Y. Oh, I got that wrong as well. There's no E in there. Grizzly. G-R-I-S-L-Y. The grizzly details. (laughs) Yes. I think you would have got that one right. If you'd had to write grizzly details, I think you would have got it right. I think that the, the context of the quiz, the quiz scenario makes it more difficult oh, the way. pressure yeah the pressure <laughs> so i think you may have already answered this question but what kind of movie star would you rather watch in a film wait a minute what kind of movie star would you rather watch in a film a, a fresh-faced young-looking hero or a grizzled hero can you well, well i think i prefer a grizzled hero every time yeah um uh, tommy what's his name tommy lee jones yeah tommy lee jones is a pretty good example mm. clint eastwood's a pretty good example and these days uh obviously han solo is a pretty good example you mean uh, harrison ford I mean harrison ford okay do you prefer a grizzled uh, indiana jones or a young indiana jones oh I, I think i'm speaking up now for an older generation we want our hollywood stars to be same age as us well there's there there are a lot of hollywood stars now who are older I'm thinking of people like Liam Neeson, who is now an action movie star, and he's in his 60s, I think. Oh, he's getting grisly. (laughs) Very, very grisly. Very beyond grisly, I would say. Have you ever seen a grisly bear? I've never seen a grisly bear. Really? You'd like to see one, though, I would. I'd love to see bears in the wild. I've never seen wild bears. Up, Up close. I've never seen wild bears at all. But would you like to oh, see... Oh, I see. Um, no, no, I don't think I want to be up close. Thank you very much. I'd like to be safe inside a vehicle. Yes. Even in a vehicle is, is not entirely safe. <laughs> You've seen a grizzly bear. No, I've never seen a grizzly. Oh, what, if, what kind of bear never did you see? I've never seen a bear. Oh, I thought I've, I've come very close to a, a black bear. Mm. It was outside our tent while we were sleeping. Yeah. And I could hear it scratching against the, the food box just feet away from where we were sleeping. And I was very worried because uh, I know that they're very curious and they like to investigate any, anything they can smell. Mm. And we'd put all of the food and all the products into this box um, and we were lying there in bed, and um, and th- I remember that I had a mosquito coil, an anti-mosquito bracelet, which was very smelly, and it was still on my wrist. And I realised that, and I was I was very concerned that the uh, bear would uh, come into the tent to investigate this. It didn't, thank goodness. But um, m- my wife did laugh at me quite a lot. I don't think she understood the danger. But it didn't eat you then. No, or my or my I'm wife. Pleased about that. Yes. So everything was fine. Um, okay, are you ready for round seven? Yes, I'm ready. Oh, no, I wanted to ask you about grisly details. Do you, do you, as a newsman, do you think that the news should always report all the grisly details of a story? No, I don't. Uh, I mean, we talk about television now. Yeah, for example, if there's been a terrorist attack. Well, well, the, these arguments have gone on for quite a long time about how much you should show or shouldn't show. It seems very simplistic. Some people might say, oh, we should show everything, we should show... You know what they do to people these people um but you have to remember the context of what you're doing on television you're going into people's homes and you're going to people's homes in the context of a entertainment channel it might be a comedy show beforehand and the kids might be watching and so on mm, and um and throwing these images into people's living rooms has an impact 
Uh, and we know that from the tide of complaints that come in from people say I was watching this at tea time with my children and why did you have to show me that mm. and you have to have a very good answer for that what about if it's um, what about all the grisly details of a grisly bear attack uh, well that would be double grisly wouldn't it it would be <laughs> too grisly okay then um, round seven imagine if you will and just for the purposes of this quiz, I'm asking you to imagine this. Imagine that there's going to be a zombie apocalypse. Okay. It's a terrifying thought, isn't it? Terrifying thought. It would be a good idea to collect and store lots of food, drink and supplies, wouldn't it? Yes. To stockpile things, for example, and, and hide them so that no one else can find them and use them. So you've got a stockpile of stuff. You'll be able to, 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 to keep them and survive, but no one else will. What verb am I thinking of? Like, collect a lot of stuff uh, together think, and keep it. I think you're thinking of caching the food. It's good, but it's not right. Oh, surely. It's not right. No, imagine... Hoarding. Yes, there is... You're there. hoarding the food. So the verb on its own is to... To hoard. To hoard. How do you spell that? H-O-A-R-D. H-O-A-R-D is the correct answer. Well done. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> I thought you were going to go for cash because C-A-C-H-E is similar meaning. You're caching food. And the aforementioned squirrels do that all the time. They bury nuts at this time of year so that they can eat them in the spring. So wait a minute. We've got to stockpile, to hoard, and to cash. Yes. But hoard, spell H-O-A-R-D. A-R-D. We'll come back to that. And okay. To, and to cash, C-A-C-H-E, yeah. not C-A-S-H, which is which money. Which is money, yes. It's a good see. one. It's a uh, good one. Extra one. Extra there. one. Okay. Yeah, that's an extra one. But um, no, I'm looking at the word hoard, meaning to collect things uh, together. Like. Every now and then, people find an old hoard of golden coins. Yeah. It's called a hoard. There was one near where we live, a really brilliant one. What, in the uh, ground? In the ground. Um, it turned up, and it was dated from about the year 800, and it was gold, beautifully made gold bracelets and stuff, which had been hoarded in a bag and obviously buried because bad guys were coming, and was, wasn't found until just last year. The Staffordshire Hoard, it's called. How old was it? It, is it? it dated from around 800, 750, Whoa. 800, something like that. So Anglo-Saxon. Wow. Um, beautiful work, fantastic stuff. How amazing to find that. I, th I don't think it was a, one of those metal detectors who found it. I think a farmer turned it over in his plough or something. Amazing. Yeah. And does that farmer get to keep it? Uh, there's, a, there's a system here called Treasure Trove, and it's t hauled off to the British Museum. They value it. And then the, the uh, value is split between whoever found it and the landowner. So if it was the farmer himself who found it, he will get the money. That's a lot of money. Could be a lot of money. Wow. Lucky farmer. Um, how do you spell that again? H-O-A-R-D. All right, next question. Now imagine, we're back to zombies, okay? All right. <laughs> now imagine loads of zombies in a huge group, or in fact many large groups of zombies surrounding your house or out in the street. What noun could you use? You wouldn't be thinking of the noun. You'd be trying to escape. But anyway, what noun could you use to describe these groups of the undead? Of course, this word could also be used to describe groups of ordinary people too. But it does sound a bit negative, like a, a large group of, of people, and it's a bit frightening or unpleasant. I think I'd, I'd look out the window, I'd see all these zombies everywhere coming towards us, and I'd shout, there's hordes of zombies outside! Hordes. Okay, a horde of zombies. Yes. How do you spell that? H-O-R-D-E? Correct. So we've got 
to hoard something, the verb, and a hoard of something. Pronunciation? Hoard. Same thing. Same, same. Okay. All right, then. Um, so, to hoard something, the verb, uh, if you hoard things such as food or money, you save or store them, often in secret, because they're valuable or important to you. For example, they've begun to hoard food and petrol to save their money. Or, the, this tea was sweetened with a hoarded tin of condensed milk. So, someone was hoarding condensed milk, maybe during the war or something like that. Maybe they're hoarding butter now. There's a shortage of butter. In now. France, there's a crisis at this moment. Butter crisis. There's the butter crisis because um, apparently uh, uh, <laughs> France is running out. Some of the supermarkets are running out of butter. And this is a major crisis in oh, France. Oh, absolutely. It's worse than zombies. Butter is the glue that holds this country together. Um, so um, lots of people are panic buying and hoarding, they're hoarding their butter. They're panic buying. They're going out and buying large amounts of butter and hoarding it, freezing their butter. And Hordes of people are going out to do it. Exactly, that's the other word. A horde of people, or a horde of of people, uh, zombies. A large group of people, usually considered quite threatening or scary. For example, this attracts hordes of tourists to Las Vegas, or a horde of people was screaming for tickets. Okay. And that's spelt uh, H-O-R-D-E. Okay? Quick questions. What would you do if you found out that there would be a, a zombie outbreak? What kinds of things would you hoard? Um, well, I suppose um, uh, some kind of magical power against zombies. But wait, so, I mean, I don't know anything about zombies. I've never actually experienced a zombie. I don't think I've ever seen a zombie movie. So I, I would think that I'd get at a torch and shine it in its eyes. The zombie would be blinded and it would fall off the edge of a cliff. No, you're dead. You're already dead. <laughs> oh, dear. You're already dead. No. You'd think a machine gun would be better. I'm oh, talking bet. about hoarding things. Cause you've got to, oh, I see. You know, you need oh, a... uh, well, I think some nice drinking water would be a good start. I think so. Uh, so a few few cans of that, and then uh, maybe some uh, tin pineapple. Basically, you need food, you need water, and you need weapons. That's what you typically Thank would you, hoard Luke. in a okay, zombie apocalypse. The advice. I'll bear that in mind. But uh, wait a minute, I need to go back to this situation. <laughs> There's zombies. Okay, yeah, that's the next question. What would you do if your house was surrounded by a horde of zombies? You've already said that you would shine a torch yeah, in their eyes. Right. That's not going to work. Any other ideas? Uh, not really. <laughs> The only way to kill a zombie is to remove the head or destroy the brain. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, nothing else will work. Well, maybe we, I just play Luke's English podcast at them at very high <laughs> volume, and that would destroy their brains. B- bore them to death. They're yes. already dead. <laughs> oh. Maybe they've already listened to it. <laughs> you, need to, you basically need to take a, um, a knife or a sword to, okay. the, to the head. Fine, I'll, I'll just have a nice big samurai sword and just go out there and lock their heads off. Now okay. we're talking. Okay, fine. Okay, round eight. As far as I know, so far through this game, you've only got two questions wrong, and they were spelling mistakes. It was, it was, um, it was the same question, wasn't it? No, it was two things, two different words that you spelt wrong. We'll come back to those those things later when we when we give you some feedback. On, I got grizzly on... and grizzly wrong. Was it just grizzly and grizzly? Yeah. Okay. All right. Round eight. Imagine a road which is full of twists and turns. Maybe a road going through the mountains. That road is full of twists and turns. How would you describe that road? How about a piece of writing? Or perhaps a process which is really complicated and time-consuming? Which word would you use to describe these things? Well, I don't know. There's lots of words. The road could be sinuous. The road could be tortuous. Bingo. You just got it. 
tortuous is the word. How do you spell a tortuous road or a tortuous piece of writing? How do you spell that? T-O-R-T-U-O-U-S? Correct. Well done. That's, that's one of the more difficult it ones. Is, isn't it? So tortuous here means twisting and turning like a road or complex and time-consuming like a process or a piece of writing. Not like a tortoise. Not like a tortoise. Tortuous. Okay. Next question is this. Which adjective could you use to describe something that causes great pain and suffering? Adjective? Yeah. Uh, well, it's torture. Torture. Torturing? Torturous. Torturous. That's an adjective, is it? Yes, it is. It's a torturous experience. Like torture. What people do is they, they say tortuous ah i see they mix them up they 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 think they're saying tortuous they're and meaning meaning twisty and yeah and they yeah but they're actually saying torturous meaning horrible yeah they're saying torturous because they think it's it means like torture when they should be saying tortuous meaning complicated and 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 time consuming like imagine the negotiation process for brexit that's a tortuous, that's tortuous process. A tortuous process. It's also torturous. <laughs> well, very it is. painful. It is also very painful. So they're, they're very similar in meaning, but they are different. So if it's like torture, meaning it's like very painful, that's torturous with a r. T-O-R-T-U-R-O-U-S. Torturous. But if it's just complicated, it's tortuous. Yes, tortuous. Quite difficult word, really. So we've got that, tortuous, T-O-R-T-U-O-U-S, tortuous, twisting and turning, complicated, and torturous, uh, meaning like torture, very painful, that's T-O-R-T-U-R-O-U-S. Pronunciation again, twisting and turning, complicated? Tortuous. Tortuous, so it's like, there's a w in the middle of it. Yes. Tortuous, and painful like torture? Torturous. Torturous with a r in it. Yes. Torturous. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, easy to be confused by those two things, isn't it? Um, questions. Would you like to be involved in the Brexit negotiations? Um, well, the quick answer is no, because I don't believe in Brexit, and I think we should stop them altogether. So if I could be involved to say, right, that's it, this is ridiculous, we're stopping now, okay. that would be fine. Okay. Do you th- um, Otherwise not, I think it would find it most both torturous and torturous. Yes, I, I would agree. You wrote a book once. Once upon a time. You did. It was about uh, writing for broadcast journalists. That's right. Uh, how was the experience of writing the book? Was it torch? <laughs> was it tortuous or was it torturous or was it both? I, I, I don't think it was either. It was neither. Really? Yes, it took quite a long time. Um, but I wouldn't call it um, Compli- twisting and turning and complicated. I quite enjoyed it, really. Uh-huh. And it wasn't painful? No. Okay. All right, then. Next question. How would you describe Yoko Ono's singing? Um, that's, uh, that's pretty torturous. Yes, it's like torture. It is, yes. Um, I, I think that I'd like to just play my audience a little bit of Yoko's singing at this moment, just to give people an, a, a, a very clear... Um, example of what torturous could be, could mean, <laughs> all right? So this is Yoko at some. You're going kind... to be very cruel to Yoko. Now. I know. I I I don't mean to be cruel to her because I, I quite like Yoko actually. She's received a lot of criticism. But over I have years. to admit, her singing isn't particularly easy on the ear. It's not her best work. 
I think I prefer some of her other types of art. Her singing is not the best thing she, she, she ever did. This is Yoko at some gallery at an art show demonstrating her singing. There are people around her that actually clap at the end of this. But this is Yoko singing. Are you ready for this? Okay, hold on. She's just standing there. There's a microphone. There's lots of people. And in a second, she's just now about to wander over to the microphone. Come on, Yoko. We want to hear you doing your, doing your thing. She's wandering over to the microphone. And this is what she does. Ready? Uh, torturous, right? It goes on. <laughs> This is one of their better pieces. I love this song. How long does it take her to remember the lyrics to this? I don't know. Do you, do you think she's serious or is she taking the piss? I, I think she was seriously taking the piss. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe she is just taking the piss. If if, if that is the case, then she's got a pretty uh, dry sense of humour. That's what John used to say. He used to say that she, you know she had a wicked sense of humour. So maybe the joke's on us. That's what I think. I don't know, I think but she knew that it was ridiculous. Um, okay, how would you describe the experience of having your teeth pulled out by Yoko Ono while she's singing? torturous in the extreme okay Okay, round nine round nine imagine that your wife is pregnant okay and you go to a doctor for a scan you and your wife are both quite worried about the health of the baby because a previous test suggested that there might be a problem so you're both feeling worried and nervous you really want the doctor to put your worries at rest but the doctor seems completely insensitive to this and doesn't e- even seem to realise that you're worried. You think to yourself, is he being deliberately like this? What word means slow to understand something and also insensitive? Slow to understand something and insensitive. Any idea? Obscure. Ob- obtuse. Bingo. Obtuse. You got it. You got it. You got it. Obtuse. Well done. Mentally slow or emotionally insensitive. Okay. For example, you think to yourself, that doctor's so obtuse. Now, it's not a word that I use every day. It's quite a complicated word. Okay, but you got it. Obtuse. How do you spell it? O-B-T-U-S-E. Okay. Next question. How would you describe something that was really complex to understand, abstract, deep, highly intellectual? Ah. For example, a book about abstract existential philosophy or the rules of cricket. That's obscure. Uh, Obscure is another word. That's not the word I was looking for. You're looking for something that sounds like obtuse. Well, Uh, How about uh, arcane? Uh, Arcane is is, You're getting closer You're getting closer definitely Um, Obscure means like Not very well known Like sort of undiscovered For example an an obscure artist Would be an artist that not many people know about True enough Arcane was the other word you came up with Well yeah arcane it means uh, A little bit specialist but difficult uh, Uh, To follow Arcane means understood by only a few people Mysterious maybe even Mm. secret That's arcane It's not 
still not the word I'm looking for. Um, so you're going to have to tell me. I well, don't know we, we, we had obtuse, which is when someone yeah. is like being a bit slow and maybe unse- insensitive, like a doctor who yes. doesn't seem to realise that you're very nervous. Yeah, a bit slow to pick up on something. And, and insensitive as well in that sense, right? Mm-hmm. That's obtuse. But the other word I'm looking for is abstruse. Oh, abstruse. Did, did, do you know that word? Yeah, it's an unusual word, really. It's an unusual one. And it, it means something is abstruse if it's hard to understand because yeah. it's complicated or it's intellectually demanding or it's highly abstract. Like yes. philosophy is a bit abstruse, isn't it? Yeah, it can be difficult to follow. Yeah, complicated. So there's a number of words that mean very similar things. Obtuse um, is the opposite of acute, and they both come from geometry. Ah. Um, an angle that is less than 90 degrees is an acute angle. It's sharper than the angle that's more than 90 degrees, which is a wider angle and is blunter point and is obtuse. Do you get it? Right. So people say, oh, he's very sharp. means that he's also very acute. means he's very bright and quick to respond to things. Uh-huh. He's very obtuse. means he's a bit slow. He's very, you know, a bit... Um, the opposite of sharp, yeah. being a little bit dull. So similar, you could imagine that a doctor, I mean, even though he's a doctor, he's probably clever, a doctor who hasn't quite noticed that his patients are feeling very nervous about the health of their... their he's to, being a bit obtuse. He's being a bit obtuse, like yeah. not being, not realising, you know, how his patients feel. Yeah. So that's obtuse. The, the example I had was from the film The Shawshank Redemption. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen that film. Don't think I have. There's a there's a scene in it where one of the characters uses the word obtuse and it gets him into lots of trouble because it's quite a clever sounding word, and it's the a prisoner who has been wrongly imprisoned and he's he has found some evidence from another inmate that proves his innocence and he goes to the prison warden with this information saying, "Look, I've got this information that that proves my innocence," and the warden doesn't take it seriously and he doesn't realize how this information can um can can is so important to this guy's case and he says you know how can you be so obtuse and he takes it as a big insult and the the warden takes it as a personal insult because he feels patronized by the the inmate and the inmate ends up being given four weeks of solitary confinement it's a great film i have to say that's the most amazing story i ever heard what amazes me most is you were taken in by it sir well, it's obvious this fellow Williams is impressed with you. He hears your tale of woe and quite naturally wants to cheer you up. He's young, not terribly bright. Not surprising he wouldn't know what a state he put you in. Sir, he's telling the truth. But let's say for the moment this Blatch does exist. You think he'd just fall to his knees and cry, Yes, I did it, I confess. Oh, and by the way, I have a life term to my sentence. You know that wouldn't matter. With Tommy's testimony, I can get a new trial. Well, that's assuming Blatch is even still there. Chances are excellent he'd be released by now. Well, they'd have his last known address, names of relatives. It's a chance, isn't it? How can you be so obtuse? What? What did you call me? Obtuse? Is it deliberate? Son, you are forgetting yourself. The country club will have his old time cards, records, W-2s with his name on them. Frayne, if you want to indulge this fantasy, that's your business. Don't make it mine. This meeting is over. Sir, if I were to ever get out, I would never mention what goes on in here. I'd be just as indictable as you for laundering that money. 
Don't you ever mention money to me again, you sorry son of a bitch. Not in this office, not anywhere. Get in here now. I'm just trying to set your mind at ease, that's all. Sir, I, I didn't... Solitary, know. a month. Yes, sir. Hi. What's the matter with you? Get him out of here. Come on, my chance to get out. Don't you see that? It's my life. Don't you understand? It's my life. Get him out. Get sounds wonderful it no it is it, it's one of those films where it's like everything really bad happens and then well you'll have to wait and see what happens in the end it's got a good ending redemption well the redemption yeah the shawshank <laughs> redemption fine. yeah yeah stop. mark kermode yeah. and simon mayer always say that about the film that there's a lot of shawshank and not very much redemption the redemption happens in the last five minutes okay. of the film and the rest of it's all about you know the the, the uh, horror of of the being in this in this prison right round 10 this is the final round Imagine a long summer evening, long shadows, golden sunlight, a pleasant temperature. You can just relax in a chair and take your time soaking up the pleasant rays of deep golden light. How would you describe that weather? Um, peaceful. Yeah. Um, uh, long evening, golden sunlight. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're bathing in the sunlight. Um, Do you want to come back to it? Yes. Okay, I'll let you come back to it. We'll skip to the next one. What about someone who's a bit crazy and foolish? He's he's lost his mind. He's gone. Mm, begins with a B. Slightly crazy. Bonkers. Um. <laughs> um, um <laughs> he's gone. B. B. Um. No. No. You know, like Boris Johnson. He's absolutely. Mm-mm. Okay, here's you're going to get it now. A football chant. United Army. United Barmy. Barmy Army. Yeah, it's Maybe. a football chant. Barmy, Barmy evening. Yes, warm and calm. Barmy person, slightly weird or crazy or crazy. Okay, so the the first question then was a long summer evening with long shadows, golden sunlight, pleasant temperature. You described that weather as barmy. Yes. Yes, I think you would. Yes. You, you would. I've heard you've used that yes, word lots yes. of times. Yes, yes. It's a Bar- balmy evening. Balmy evening. Yes. How do you spell that? I think that's B-A-L. Balmy. B-A-L-M-Y. Correct. Uh, because it's like a balm. A balm is a kind of um, calming unction ointment or treatment which calms you down and uh, so balmy means it's got a calming effect yes a healing lotion is also known as a balm b-a-l-m but the l is silent so it's balm and also balmy used to describe weather which is warm and pleasant because it feels like you're bathing Mm. in the golden Mm. sunlight it's like a healing lotion the sunlight so we'd say that the weather is balmy b-a-l-m-y balmy weather okay and the other one is balmy meaning slightly crazy and how do you spell that one b-a-r-m-y b-a-r-m-y exactly Um, as in army as in England are the Barmy Army. United. English fans. Barmy Army. United. <laughs> Barmy Army. Which is yes. a very typical football chant, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. Barmy Army, meaning a crazy... They even do it at the cricket matches in Australia. Do they? Yeah, the England cricket fans go, Barmy Army. Barmy, Barmy Army. Meaning a crazy meaning, army. Meaning it's us lot again. A group of crazy fans. Crazy or the fans. Barmy Army. United. Barmy Army. All so right. it's not a Barmy evening in that way. Uh, Quite the opposite. Nice and calming. Yes. So, how was the weather in the UK this summer? Did you have any balmy summer evenings? Hardly any at all. What a surprise. It was cloudy 
a lot of the time, not very hot, a lot of the time, mm-hmm. not much sitting outside in the garden weather, I'm afraid. Oh, really? That's a pity. That is a great pity. Okay. Um, the, going, the weather's going a bit balmy, actually. Ah, being a bit crazy because of yeah. global warming. Uh, at what time of the year is the weather at its balmiest? Late summer. Okay, and what do you like to do when the weather is balmy, if it is balmy? Sit out in the garden. Okay, correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of Brexiteers, people who want Brexit? Oh, well, I, yeah, I know you're, you're suggesting I call them all balmy, but of course they're not all balmy. Uh, the, the problem with the people who voted to leave the EU was that they were uh, misled. Either they didn't know anything, uh, which had something to do with the media, but a lot of them were absolutely misled. They were told things that weren't true. Okay. And I think that they ought to have a chance to vote again now that they do know what they're talking about. Don't you think another referendum would be... I think it would be a very splendid idea, but I can't see any way it's going to happen. But all the people who... um, All the people who voted to leave... Um, if we had a second referendum, they would be up in arms, wouldn't yes, they? Yes, they would. That's why it's not going to happen. It's a nightmare, isn't it? Hmm. Okay, great. Well, on that positive note, <laughs> um, that's the end of the quiz, Dad. I How think, did I get on, Lou? I think you did fine. I, you didn't. You made a couple of mistakes. There was a one or there were one or two words that you didn't get. Uh, My answers on grizzly were pretty grizzly. Gr- spelling of grizzly and grizzly. Mm. Um, you did make a mistake there. Obtuse. And abstruse. You, I couldn't you, get abstruse. That's too abstruse a word. It is a bit of an abstruse word, to be honest. Let me just go through that list again very, very quickly. And I just want you to tell me whether these are words that people use on a regular basis. Okay? All right? So, uh, wait with bated breath. Yes, that's quite a common phrase. Okay. Uh, to be- put bait on the end of a fishing line. Well, if you go fishing, you use that word all the time. Yeah, and clickbait as well. Yes. Yeah, okay, good. So, common, another common one. Give someone a wide berth. Yes, everybody knows that phrase. Yeah, we all use that one, don't we? Like if you say, oh, you know, I saw Bob the other day. I didn't want to speak to him. I gave him a wide berth. Okay. Um, and to give birth. Well, yes, very, obviously. Obviously very common. Um, counsel, legal advice. Yeah. Um, I mean, what what you have is people who have issues, as they these days they say they mean problems. People who have problems sometimes go to be counselled. You know, no, that's ca- yeah, yeah, which is spelt with an S. Counselling Ca- and, and, like, and they like, go to counselling, like therapy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And with mental health problems growing, there's more and more people needing to have have counselling as for the council we all know what the council is the council is those authorities that pick up your litter bins and all that that's c-i-l yeah. but i think in in legal english we do use the word council s-e-l we do yeah it's just mainly in formal legal english um yeah. and also as you said counselling uh, you get counselling for your if you've got sort of mental problems or something like that uh, it's also spelt with an s okay fine um next uh, e- e- to elicit something as a verb well, you're a teacher and you're doing it all the time. Yeah, I do it all. I constantly elicit words from my students. Elicit, uh, el- elicit activities, elicit materials, elicit drug. Would yeah, it, it's, I don't think it's a, the word that most people would choose to use first. They'd say illegal first and it means much the same thing. If in, a, in a news report, you'd choose illegal over illicit. Yes, you would. Okay. Um, uh, affect the verb to, you know, affect the, you know, the, the film affected uh, the audience uh, very strongly. Well, yes, it's, it's a commonly used word. I you know, it's, it's, on news reports, you know, there's, there's been a gas leak and a thousand people have been affected. Yeah. I think it's really, really common. And the noun with an E is also really, really common. What's the effect? Yes. What would be the effect of this? And as I said before, and how effective is that going to be is a, is a 
obviously often used adjective. Yeah. The word grizzled meaning going grey. I think it's not that common, is it? I wasn't sure about that. I thought it meant sort of weather beaten. Yeah, I thought so too, meaning sort of tough because someone's had it like a cowboy who's just ridden through the desert would be grizzled. But um, I think it's used in a literary context. It's the sort of word that a writer would use in a novel to describe a character, don't you think? Yeah. So it's more of a literary word. Grizzly, grizzly bear are very common because it's a type of bear. Uh, Grizzly meaning unpleasant. Yes, I think everybody knows that word. Yeah, the grizzly details. Yes, that's right. Give me all the grizzly details. That one came up on my podcast uh, not long ago. I spoke to a friend who uh, does a podcast about murder. He's one of these sort of true crime people. and uh, We used the word grizzly a lot in that episode because it was lots of grizzly details. Um, Hoard, to hoard something. Yeah, everybody knows that word. Yeah, to be a hoarder, someone who who Mm. collects things. And a horde of people, hordes of people. Yeah, Yeah, commonly used. Exactly. If you can imagine, like big crowds crowd, of people, crowds hordes of, of people, hordes of people, crowds of people, uh, tortuous, a tortuous process, a complicated process. I think people do would say that quite a lot. For example, about the Brexit negotiations, they are tortuous. It's interesting that. As you said, some people might get it mixed up I with think, torturous, meaning horrible. I think that's the point there, is that mm. people sometimes say torturous, uh, but actually the word they should be using is tortuous, tortuous. meaning complicated. Mm. Um, uh, obtuse and abstruse, we're going to just... I don't think they're that common. Done them. No, I think they're a bit abstract they are a bit. and obscure, those ones. And then we had balmy, a balmy evening, balmy weather. I think that's. I've heard you using, using yeah, that one a lot. Definitely. And balmy, meaning a bit crazy. I think he's gone a bit balmy. Barmy army. All right, enough. I think that's quite <laughs> common as well, that one. Okay, so all in all, I, th- I think you've got a pass. Thank you. I think you did well, actually. I'd give oh, you. Phew. I'd give you, um, I don't know, I'd, I'd probably give you a merit for that one. Eight out of ten. Eight, eight out of ten is good. It's a strong score. Thank you very it's much. It's a very Luke. strong score. I think, you, you, I think you're good at English. Well, I, so I don't have to go to counselling then. No, you don't. Mm. I, think you're, I think you've done all right. What do you think, listeners? Is my dad good at English? Of course, they all agree. I wonder if uh, I wonder if my audience uh, were able to get those words. Well, if they did, if you, ladies and gents, if you didn't get the words, at least now, hopefully, you've got them right. Um, so you can check the page for this episode on my website. You can see the questions that I asked my dad, the little discussion questions. What you could do is kind of ask yourself those questions, or if you've got a friend or a speaking partner or something, you could use those questions for a discussion. Practice using the words that you've um, acquired or indeed picked up in this episode. And um, onwards and upwards with your English uh, vocabulary and fluency. Thanks, Dad, for talking to us again. Thank you very much. I'm waiting with bated breath to see what the reaction is. Absolutely. All right, then. Well, on that, on that bombshell, uh, it's not, it wasn't really a bombshell, was it, there at the end? On that, <laughs> on that good example of English, uh, that's the end of this episode. Can you do goodbye with me? Yes. Thanks for listening, everyone. Speak to you again soon. Goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. bye, bye. bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.